warm welcome to all our listeners uh today with us we have a very special guest uh smarak swain uh hi smarak thank you so much for coming over to blitz business it's a pleasure to have you thank you thank you asis and and i i look forward to uh you know interacting with you and also the uh, listeners here wonderful wonderful uh so let's get started so smarak if you can tell us a little bit about yourself uh, i went through your background it's extremely impressive from iit to irs and now being an author so if you can share about your brief journey uh, to our, all our listeners it will be great uh well <laughs> the, uh, thank you first of all thank you for the nice words asis coming to my journey uh, i graduated from iit khatpur and i had a great time there uh, the reason why i had a great time there was because uh, i spent all my time in forging friendship and uh, i was not so good at studies <laughs> uh, that is hard uh, to believe <laughs> and, and 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 yes one one good thing that happened with me in iit khatpur was that i used to discuss a lot with professors also and with with with, uh, with my friends also i used to discuss about ideas uh and and uh, we used to discuss a lot of things about international relations even though it, it was a technical institute and humanities was not something which was taught uh, as a mainstream subject we used to discuss about international relations about uh, uh, how polities are made how kingdoms are formed how governments are formed um, and and that actually gave me an orientation towards government service per se at the same time it was a, uh, uh, in iit you always have a tech background you always uh, mm. whenever you look at anything you uh, you 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 wonder how how you can use technology to improve upon it so i had this idea that i can work with the government and and uh, introduce technology somewhere or uh, uh, be in the line of tech policy uh, i had some some very broad ideas i won't say i had a clarity of mind i had some very broad ideas and also unfortunately uh, in our society there is a lot of respect for civil services Uh, uh it's it's good that it is winning away because uh, you know in civil services yes you get a lot of experience as a, as a, as an individual you get a lot of exposure but uh, the kind of prestige that uh, that civil servants get is disproportionate uh, i believe more more prestige should be given to those uh, graduates from uh, colleges who go out and build their own own path or chart their own territory uh who who go for startups who take the risk of uh, starting up and employing uh, so many number of people of generating wealth or those people who are doing research and contributing to society in a major way those who are doing medical research or those who are doing uh, even very uh, you know even very niche kind of research which is helping people like us get a mo- get a mo- get a very nice mobile phone in our hands mm-hmm. uh, uh, i i think more respect is due to them and that is what happens in probably in western countries uh it i don't see it happening much in india but yes things are changing so coming from there i mean go, go, going from there to uh, my 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 joining in the civil services mm-hmm. uh yes uh, uh the examination was a little difficult to crack uh, <laughs> uh civil service examination is extremely difficult for a very uh, for a for a job which is which does not require that much of uh, uh, you, you know that much of uh, understanding of uh, uh, general studies per se but okay fine that, that that's all right i slogged and luck- i was lucky that i got through in the first attempt itself uh, uh, I, i would say i was lucky because there are so many factors that uh, that that affect how uh, who gets in and who doesn't get in and i was offered the indian revenue service and i actually developed an instant liking for the service because this is one of those services in which uh, uh, in which you work on uh, you know tax policy on fiscal policy you also get to work on investigation financial crime investigation and also you get to understand a lot about law because income tax law is one of the most difficult civil laws possible hmm. and uh, so so i had a very all round exposure and all round experience uh in in my last 8 to 10 uh, in in my last 10 years of uh, uh, career in the civil services mm-hmm. in the indian revenue service uh and presently i am uh, i'm working in the foreign tax division i i i i try to 
uh, I, I try to foster dispute prevention, uh, prevention of disputes and uh, resolution of disputes on tax matters, on transfer pricing and cross-border taxes in my matters. And I also, uh, uh, you know, uh, represent India in international forums, wherever there is any debate or any negotiation happening on uh, new framework or new institutions for the international taxation. Uh, that's what I do in my day job. Mm-hmm. Other than that, I also write books. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, I, I write because I have a passion for writing. My father is a writer. Uh, oh. he, uh, he, uh, he's a I mean, he, he's a voracious writer. Uh, people people talk about voracious readers. So I I I use the uh, you know I use the <laughs> as a uh, as as a uh, you know uh, as an irony saying that he's a voracious writer. Uh, and I have seen him from from my childhood days. So it is, it is easy for me to form structure and uh, present it to readers. It comes naturally to me. I mean, it comes quite naturally to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, because of that, I have to, I, I mean, I keep writing. I, I keep writing for newspapers, for magazines. And once in a while, I also write books. Uh, whenever I get a good idea and I see that this is something where I can add value to uh, uh, what is already there in the public, uh, uh, you know, in, 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 in public domain, or if I can share some kind of an insight which would be useful for my readers which can change the uh, you know way readers think about uh, think think about something so that propels me to write uh, that's uh, round about uh, uh, what i have uh, ha- you know that's around about my uh, journey my professional journey absolutely wonderful and to all our listeners so we were discussing before uh, so i have read one of the books written by Samarak uh, called Loophole Games and I was telling him uh, if I was not an entrepreneur I would I would have become a CFA the way it is written and the way I was able to understand things so definitely very lucid writing and uh, uh, very enjoyable to read so definitely will recommend everyone to have a look there's a new book also which is out so then uh, moving on uh, Samarak so uh, what was that particular you know if you can share you know what led you to um writing books you know how do you get time or how do you maintain that consistency in writing books right in terms of it's a very uh, i can imagine you know um, uh, on the one hand you have you know uh, you're dealing with uh, policies or uh, in your daily work and then how do you get that motivation or consistency to be able to write and uh, publish um, books yeah Mm, Asis, uh, 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 to be to be frank, yeah, initially I faced a lot of resistance mm. uh, in the in the writing process itself uh, mm. because this is something that every writer faces when he sits down to write. Uh, writing the first word itself becomes problematic. I mean, how do I write the first word? Yes. Uh, and then how how do I go to the second word? Mm. And once a flow comes, then writing happens automatically. Mm-hmm. So uh, uh, writers always face this dilemma between quality and quantity. Okay, how do I write something where I maintain the quality without, uh, I mean, where I maintain the quality and, and, and writers are usually very fidgety. I mean, in, in, in the initial days, they're very fidgety about uh, what they write. Okay, so uh, in initial days, I saw that I was, uh, I was quite slow in writing. Then what I decided to do is, I said, I have to write something, whether it's good or bad, doesn't matter. Let me write something. Okay, and, and the only thing that I have to keep in mind is, that my that what I'm writing makes sense. Uh, it is easy to understand for the reader. Okay, so once I decided that I can do this, I didn't start from the beginning. I started f- so uh, from somewhere in between, and uh, that that is the advantage of non-fiction writing. Unlike in fiction writing, where you have to start right from the uh, page one, uh, in non-fiction you can start from uh, the tenth page or the eleventh page or from the third chapter itself. Mm. So what I did is. I first of all uh, meticulously did a lot of research, uh, uh, you know, literature survey. I I I, I looked into some, uh, the uh, I used to look into research literature. I used to talk to a lot of people. Uh, I used to uh, uh, meet people and, and and get ideas from them. Uh, and you know, on uh, on today's world is so complex. This VUCA world is actually pretty complex. So uh, so everyone uh, so uh, you you'll always find two very different views. Mm. Two very diagonally polar views on every on, on any and every subject. You take up any mm. subject, you will find polar views. Mm. So when you listen to both the views, you will be able to weigh them and uh, you know uh, and, and understand that this that this is actually a continuum. These are not polar views. This is a continuum, and these are the two ends of the continuum. The reality lies somewhere in between. Mm. 
and and as a writer i thought that this is the, this is my job to communicate this to the reader that these are the two views possible views and uh, these are the arguments being given for both the views and this is a continuum so once i cracked this idea uh, that that this is how i can present to the reader then it became pretty easy for me to keep writing Hmm. so uh, uh, you know most of my books you'll see that that they are kind of a uh, how to kind of books hmm. or 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 some kind of books that are giving you insights hmm. because non fiction uh, whatever whatever information that you want to uh, you know convey in a non fiction all of that is available in wikipedia what matters in non fiction is the insight that you are giving so once i started writing the insights it became pretty easy for me to write the content but again uh, the, the next major challenge was how to put them all in a uh, in a structure because because ultimately if anyone is reading a book they want to read it as a uh, as the voice of the writer they don't mm. want to read a uh, patchworks mm. so after i did this after i do this what i do is i start wondering how i can start the chapter and how i can keep the reader uh, engaged in what i'm writing and then comes the uh, you know the 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 story the the the, the storytelling mm-hmm. so the storytelling starts after i have written the major part of the content so that makes it easy because storytelling is a is the easier part it just has to uh, the, the idea of storytelling is it is basically a kind of an iceberg breaking session by uh, it, it breaks the ice between the reader and the writer and the reader is on the track and once the reader is on the track then the railway the, the, the train has to move mm-hmm. so the content is already ready the train is already ready the track is ready i just have to bring the reader to the track so bringing the reader to the track is what the narrative is all about is what the storytelling is all, all about so i i i i i i uh, uh, i i talk to people i gather uh, uh, you know uh, some anecdotes and based on that i start the storytelling work okay so uh, so, so you'll see that in most of my recent novels or, or in not novels in most of my recent books you will see that Uh, uh everything starts with a with, with with some kind of a storytelling simple storytelling or a simple problem statement and then it goes down to the nitty gritties or the content or the uh, uh, or, right. or, or, or the or what i i want to talk talk about correct so that makes it pretty easy to write that that, that is what i found i mean i got my comfort zone there uh, other writers may find their comfort zone in, in something else mm. but the key uh, the key message that i want to give to writers is you just keep writing if you are unable to write the first word if you are unable to write the first sentence then you write something else but you mm. keep writing okay you keep a target that uh, you know uh, 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 every saturday i have write this many number of uh, words every sunday i have write this many number of words i don't care what is the quality of my writing i will just write because if if i if, if i write something which is of not of a very good quality i can always change it also i can review it i can uh, what i do is i painstakingly go through what i have written four times five times and they try to change change it later also but mm-hmm. once i have written something there is something ready ready with me which i can work upon definitely i think that makes a lot of sense and uh, i think uh, the analogies uh, which you gave in terms of you know you just need to get the readers on track and then it's just a journey and they are hooked to it and i think writing the first word is absolutely critical and then um, reviewing it and making sure the quality and everything i think um, all the suggestions which you gave a mix lot of sense uh, in terms of uh, smarak what is your favorite book which you have written you know which you absolutely love uh, out of all the books you have written which is your favorite one my my favorite one will be uh, the great indian fraud uh, okay. it's a, it's a book that it's a book that chronicles the rise of uh, financial frauds in india uh, mm-hmm. uh, and and uh, uh, and and how they have been committed Uh, uh, so there are many kinds of finan- financial frauds uh, what i did is i wanted to write a book on that because uh, you know when i was in the income tax investigation wing i had worked on a lot of uh, i mean um, i had i had conducted investigations on uh, uh, you know securities fraud on 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 ponzi schemes on bank fraud also uh, but but uh, but i was at a lack of you know i i, I was at a loss of uh, you know a voice to uh, to amply explain it to the people to people about about what is the impact of this kind of frauds mm. uh so so it was an eureka moment in which i decided uh look uh, uh, what i have to do is because people do not understand this frauds first i have to tell people what this fraud is all about correct 
Okay. So, and, 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 and this kind of frauds have been happening in history many times. And it's the same kind of fraud which we saw in 1950, which we saw in 1920, which we saw in 1820. And the same fraud is happening now also. Why is it that in spite of regulatory, in spite of the fact that regulation has improved over times and regulation has been supplanted with a lot of monitoring and, 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 regu- and regulatory agencies have been using a lot of uh, uh, technology to do monitoring nowadays. Okay, in spite of that, how come the same kind of fraud the same kind of modus operandi is being used even now. So, so that click. Hmm. So which is, if, if I can ask, so which is, so if you want to share uh, with our listeners, which which was the most, you know, uh, the fraud which you saw which you or which you mentioned in the book, which, you know, sort of made you think, I mean, uh, in terms of, that was brilliant, right? I mean, that sort of in Eureka moment in terms of, uh, in terms of, how it was done or there was some sort of a new element to it or in terms of, you know, it just blowed, uh, blowed your mind, right? In terms of, oh my God, you know, uh, what, uh, if you want to share some, uh, if you have an example or um, of any or one of your favorite uh, sort of to say the fraud, which you sort of appreciated in terms of, in terms of the ingenuity uh, or how it was structured or done. Uh, so, so Asis, uh, if I can give one example, uh, it would be that of loan against shares uh, fraud, LAS. They call it LAS, loan against okay. share fraud. Mm-hmm. Uh, what what happens? What what happens in this is, uh, uh, like for example, in 1950s, the, the the one of the biggest financial frauds that happened immediately after independence was the Haridas Mundra fraud. Very few people know about it. What Haridas Mundra did was very simple. He went to the Calcutta Stock Exchange. Now, this is a person who does not have much capital, but he wants to uh, become an industrialist very soon. He's he's in uh, too much of a hurry to become an industrialist. Hmm. And after independence, what is happening is a lot of the, uh, a lot of, um, uh, you know, Britishers are selling their Indian companies. So whoever used to have Indian business, they're selling their Indian companies. They just need some money in hand. They just need some money to, uh, um, uh, uh, they, they need some money. So what Haridas Mundra does is he purchases one of these companies uh, which is on distress sell. Okay. And then what he does is he manipulates the share price of this company in Calcutta Stock Exchange. Okay. okay. So by doing, by, by, uh, by using a very typical pump and dump scheme, uh, uh, it's, a, it's a very typical pump and dump scheme. What he did is he increased the price of this share from uh, uh, 5 rupees to 15 rupees. I'm giving an example, stylized mm-hmm. example. Mm-hmm. So after he pumped it up to 15 rupees, he hypothecated the shares to uh, the shares of this company to one bank, mm-hmm. saying that the worth of this share is 15 rupees, and so you give me a loan of 10 rupees. So shares mm-hmm. whose actual value was five rupees, against those shares he got a he he got a loan at 10 rupees. Mm-hmm. Okay, he got a got a loan of 10 rupees. Then again he used this loan to purchase another company. Oh. Okay, so uh, uh, then then he got a, a control over the second company. Then he again used a pump and dump scheme to increase the price of the second company. Okay, and then he again uh, uh, hypothecated this company's uh, shares to, with the mm. bank to get a loan. Okay, mm. so this happened some, some four to five times. And after that, he saw that, uh, uh, I mean, after that, in the Calcutta Stock Exchange, a lot of brokers started talking about it. They, they started whispering that, Haridas Mundra's shares are, uh, are all fraudulent shares and there's something wrong with him. Maybe he will collapse. And uh, actually the time came when he should have collapsed and then the government realized that the finance ministry at that point of time realized that if he collapses, then there'll be a crisis. There'll be an economic crisis in India. So to oh. save him, what happened is they asked LIC to give him a loan. Wow. Okay. So, <laughs> so the so they did not want to have a 2008 subprime crisis uh, back in 1915 in India. So the finance ministry gave him a loan. <laughs> okay. So at that time, PTK was the finance minister. Uh, I don't know who took that decision, but uh, the decision was taken that LIC will give them a loan. And then what happened is something interesting happened. Uh, uh, there was a there was a there was an anti-corruption crusader by the name of Firoz Gandhi. Okay. So he was also a member of Congress. And, the, and Congress was the ruling party at that point of time. And uh, he had some personal issues with the, the Prime Minister Jawaharlal Nehru. Uh, 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 I mean, his wife, uh, 
uh, I mean, he had uh, his wife was uh, Nehru's daughter, and they had some kind of a personal issue. Mm-hmm. And suddenly, the, con- the country started taking note of it. Firoz Gandhi came out and said that there is some fraud going on, and LIC has given a loan to Haridas Mundra, and uh, what LIC is basically doing is perpetuating a fraud. Wow. Okay. And, and and then the the matter spiraled out uh, out of control, and that was the f- first major financial fraud that happened in India. Very few people on today's date know about it, but at that time there was a Changla Commission which was formed, Tanglu Commission which was formed, and 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 a lot of spotlight was on this kind uh, on this fraud that happened. After that, RBI, uh, you know, uh, after that RBI took a lot of regulatory steps, and after that, in 1992, SEBI started getting a lot of powers, and even after so many things happened. Mm. Okay, in 2000, again, the same kind of fraud happened. The Ketan oh Parekh fraud is nothing but the same Haridas Mundra fraud. The same steps, the same modus operandi happened in the Ketan Parekh fraud in 2008. Oh, wow. What happened in 1955, again, got repeated in 2001. Uh, I mean, in 2001, what happened is uh, there was a pump and dump scheme going on. There was there was something called the K10 companies, Ketan Parekh 10 companies. Mm-hmm. So, there were tech companies whose values, whose prices were artificially pumped up by Ketan Parekh. And against those shares, Ketan Parekh had taken heavy loans. Mm-hmm. And then the dot-com bubble, bubble happened in the US. Because mm-hmm. of the dot-com bubble, the share market fell in India. And he go, uh, and, and then he defaulted. Ketan Parekh defaulted. That is what happened in 2000. Okay, in spite of the fact that a lot of regulation has happened, had hap- uh, you know, a lot of regulatory... Uh, checks had had been uh, you know instituted between 1955 and 2001 mm-hmm. in spite of that this happened then again in 2014 what happened gitanjali james uh, 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 sebi sebi alleged that gitanjali james has done the same thing in 2014 in 2014 or 2013 if i remember well what happened is the share price of gitanjali james suddenly fell Okay, uh, uh, it, it fell drastically. Why it fell drastically is because the actually the prices of Gitanjali Jam collected. The prices were kept artificially very high by using some brokers, by using Benami companies, sell companies, which were which were trading the shares of Gitanjali James on behalf of its uh, promoters. And the same kind of modus operandi had been used by Choksi. And this this happened, mind you, this happened three four years before the PNB scam came came to light. Oh. This happened three to four years before the PNB scam came to light, and and, and actually not many people know about it. Uh, yeah. Only if you go through the SEBI orders, uh, then uh, uh, Sa- uh, Securities Appellate Tribunal orders, you'll get to know that this is a modus operandi which was used. Uh, so, so as the regulatory agencies are becoming more and more complex and more and more smart, mm-hmm. uh, these kind of fraudsters are becoming even more smarter. So now, for example, what what uh, what SEBI had done after the Ketan Parikh case was that SEBI was analyzing was doing a lot of data analytics. It was mm-hmm. uh, yeah, what it does is that it looks at the data to find out patterns. If they find some kind of a pattern happening or some kind of an abnormality is happening, then what they do is they they, they start further investigation and they also try to block that uh, uh, you know block some kind of companies from sharing from from uh, trading on the stock market. Wow. But what happened is uh, they could not catch Gitanjali James. Why they could not catch Gitanjali James is because Gitanjali James was using a very, very innovative approach in which a lot of cell companies were involved and and, and, and they're not, uh, they were trading in such a way that they would not form any kind of pattern. Wow. So any data analytics uh, algo that, that was being used by SEBI actually got fooled by this. Uh, that's amazing how so, it sort of repeated in from 1955 to 2000 2014 is there anything which is under sort of uh, uh, dispute or under scrutiny in terms of in the recent times let's say within last one or two years which is having certain same allegations uh, 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 of late i have not seen any any major allegation of this kind uh, mm-hmm. uh, coming out from from sebi uh, loan against sales scam is something which is actually very common. Okay, but they are all smaller ones which which SEBI is working on, uh, on on which SEBI uh, uh, comes out regularly with uh, orders. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, so the SEBI does not find the exact LAS scheme. What SEBI does is that SEBI only finds out uh, only only finds out the pump and dump scheme. So once SEBI finds a pump and dump scheme and makes an allegation, after that what happens is that the price of the share uh, uh, automatically comes down. Oh. When the price of that share automatically comes down, the banks which have uh, have kept the shares on hypothecation, they immediately come down upon the 
person who has taken the loan hmm. okay uh so smaller ones keep happening all the time i mean the, the, it's 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 actually pretty regular it happens pretty regularly but of late what has happened is in the last few years even banks have also become quite cautious uh especially because of the uh, because of a lot of bank frauds and nbfc frauds that happened uh, that, that came to that came to light between uh, in the last uh, decade between 2010 and 2019 because of that banks have also become quite careful and we have seen a slowdown in this kind of frauds but again when the you know when 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 banks when when the economy booms mm-hmm. uh and 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 when uh, other time banks are under pressure to like, loosen up mm-hmm. uh, the due diligence process uh, when it hap- will happen again other time maybe a few more frauds will come to light it's a cycle uh, i mean uh, uh, in terms yeah, of uh, yeah. whenever the boom and what is your take i mean it's very interesting to understand you know so what is your take in terms of the current uh, the hot topic around the country or for the last couple of years has been startups right and uh, in terms of startups uh, there are many startups who have succeeded and uh, uh, the valuations uh, are typically a lot of a talking point in terms of in online forums or otherwise so what is your take in of the current ecosystem of such high valuation if i can ask you or how do you perceive the current startup ecosystem how it is shaping up in terms of uh, valuations and in terms of how regulation is keeping up to make sure uh, because many of them are getting listed nowadays right and there are many more in pipeline so what is your take on that mm. asis what i would say uh, what i would say is uh, as long uh, as long uh, as long as there is no market manipulation mm-hmm. as long as uh, 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 as long as a trade is a fair trade whatever valuation the 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 the, the, the trade takes place in that is a fair valuation mm-hmm. uh, because if you look at the if you look at the theory also well, for valuation broadly there are three the three methods of doing a valuation Mm-hmm. and uh, 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 one of them is the income method where you find out the cash flows future you you make some cash flow projections right. mm-hmm. and you discount them to the present day mm-hmm. uh, to find out the present value of uh, the company okay mm-hmm. a, very crudely speaking let's say there is a house uh, it is giving a rental of uh, a 3% per year and the house has a lifetime of uh, 50 years Mm-hmm. so i'll find out the uh, you know rent that the house will be getting in the next 50 years i'll make an estimate i'll discount that to find out the present value of the house very right. similarly uh, you do it for a company uh, you look at the assets and then you do a, a present value now there can be a lot of uh, debate over how do you do the discounting uh, uh, there are a lot of uh, there are many assumptions that are made so no two values will come to the right to the to, to the same value i have done a lot of valuations for the for the tax department and i can tell you that in that equation if you change the discounting rate or you change the terminal growth rate uh then the value swings uh, significantly which not happen and forget these two items if you if your projections are not correct or if you are making a very optimistic projection or if you are making a very pessimistic projection again your valuation uh, varies so if i make a valuation and i offer it to uh, you if you are ready to buy it then there is no harm at all now okay. what 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 i think the uh, what i think the role of the uh, the role of uh, you know uh, third parties here is uh, third parties in the sense uh, those who uh, see this transaction happening is the third parties can help the retail investors the third parties can protect the retail investors by informing them uh, by by informing them and educating them now this digital economy is a completely new economy it is working in a very very different way uh, i'll give an ex- uh, i mean i mean to, to to explain why it is completely new is because printing press took 300 years to diffuse it was adopted around the world about 300 years after the printing press was first invented so if you look at the history of gutenberg and 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 and, and how the diffusion happened you will see that is uh, it, it was it was extremely slow but if you look at the mobile phone the diffusion of mobile phone took less than 30 years and the diffusion of smartphone took less than uh, uh, about uh, about 10 years on today's date everywhere around the world there are smartphones and people are playing pubg if you go to a you go to a local uh, market you'll see uh, you'll see people playing uh, pubg i mean uh, things are happening very fast 
because of which people uh, retail investors do not understand the complexities involved in this process they do not understand the difference between a platform company and a pipeline company they do not understand network effects how networks are helping uh, 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 how networks can help you generate super profits and how networks can lead to a lot of losses also they do not understand this tech companies they do not understand the tech ecosystem what can happen is they can be informed and educated about it they can be told to be wary about this kind of companies and to wait to think about this kind of companies and then t- uh, 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 you know purchase the shares uh, 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 education is critical here because you know when 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 some tech company comes out with a with an ipo okay mm-hmm. for retail investors retail investors actually do not know what to uh, how to respond to it hmm. they respond based on uh, the uh, the chatter going around if there is a lot of talk about it in the papers they say okay this company is doing very well let me invest in this company hmm. they don't judge the price at which the company is being listed they don't judge if the price is right if the if the company if the shares are being overvalued or under or undervalued and frankly speaking they cannot do that because as experts we we cannot also do that expert valuers also cannot do that hmm. so even they cannot also do that so what they need to realize is that they have to be very very conservative about investing in these companies they mm-hmm. they should invest in these companies because these companies some of these companies are going to be the future mm-hmm. okay and some of these companies are going to grow big to become the next google next amazon mm-hmm. okay and and the startup ecosystem also needs public money i mean they mm-hmm. they, 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 do, they do get a lot of money from the private equity guys mm-hmm. but at some point of time they also need public money they also need public capital so uh, they should not be dissuaded from investing here but some edu- some form of education should be given to them so that they are aware about where they are investing and and from your experience uh, samarak in terms of what have you seen in the startup ecosystems uh, the regulations which are getting sort of exploited or loopholes specifically uh, which are more getting prominent nowadays uh asish you have asked a very 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 interesting question and uh, i'm actually grappling with the answer to this question <laughs> at this moment so i will divide my answer to two parts okay. okay so so what happened is initially when the startup ecosystem was 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 developing what we realized uh, what the what the governments around the world realized is that uh, there are two kinds of uh, businesses one is uh, regulated businesses one is unregulated business okay so heavily regulated businesses are businesses like you know financial services then mining business there are some businesses which are quite regulated okay i mean they work under uh, under the supervision of the re- regulatory authorities then there is the pharma companies which work under the supervision of the regulatory companies so now when fintech came uh, a lot of problems started from both the sides uh, many startups were unable to innovate in fintech because there's so much of there's so much of regulation that they had to navigate so what they did is uh they used to typically set up one company in india and one company in probably singapore or uh, or 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 uh, hong kong or netherlands where they get a uh, you know regulatory sa- regulatory sandbox okay where they get some kind of a, a freedom to operate okay sort of a tax uh, so that break is the that not is exactly it? for tax break uh, i'll i'll give us uh, uh, to give a simple example mutual funds okay mm-hmm. you can solicit mutual funds but but the but the but the uh, sebi regulations uh, very specifically mention how you can solicit uh, uh, customers for mutual funds okay. so if you want to start an app uh, and and through the app you want to solicit mutual funds how how can that happen okay that is one example okay so the, uh, there are a lot of apps today which which are getting customers for mutual funds but some kind of a you know guidance came from sebi in this in that regard now you talk about now i'll talk about something else crowdsourcing if i am into a venture and i am crowdsourcing funds from people okay uh, and i give them a promise that i'm going to give a return to you of let's say 20% or 25% mm. basically what i'm doing is i'm raising money from the public mm. okay and you cannot raise money from the public in india okay unless you use the ipo route or cis route cis is collective investment scheme uh, route which is uh, which, which is mentioned in i think uh, section 11 of sebi act 1995 and then the ipo route we all know about it initial public offering route okay mm-hmm. unless we go through these two routes we cannot solicit we cannot raise money from the public mm-hmm. now what is happening is there are many icos also coming in initial coin offerings mm-hmm. okay so an ico is nothing but uh, you uh, 
and, and, and most of these ICOs, they promise a return. They say that we'll do this kind of a venture. And when we do this kind of a venture, you'll get this kind of a return. Otherwise, why will people invest in an ICO? Correct. Okay. So when you when you when when you float an ICO, you have to use either the CIS route or you'll have to use the IPO route. If you don't do, you use either of the routes, you are actually falling foul of uh, of SEBI rules. Mm-hmm. Okay. Similarly, the many RBI and SEBI rules because these are heavily regulated mar- uh, 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 markets. So in financial market, if you do a, any kind of an innovation, you, uh, it's very difficult to get a clearance from uh, you know regulatory authorities. Mm-hmm. So what they do is. They set up a concern in maybe uh, uh, Singapore or Hong Kong, where the regulation uh, uh, which, which are which do not have much of regulation. Yeah, yeah, where the regulation is minimal on financial companies. Okay, okay. and then they innovate. Once oh. they innovate, the government gets to know. Okay, fine. This is the innovation that is possible, and this is what is happening uh, uh, all around. So, mm. if this is happening, we have to bring new regu- new regulation, right? So mm. that is a regulatory cycle. First, an innovation happens. Okay, after the innovation happens, uh, the government realizes that, okay, fine, this can be misused. So the ones who are innovating, they are not the ones who who want to misuse it. Okay, they are the ones who have some pristine ideas. But after they innovate it, some other guy thinks, okay, fine, I can misuse it. So if if some new new cryptocurrencies can come, some ICO can come, then let me do one thing. Let me start a Ponzi scheme uh, uh, from Mauritius. And let me sell it to Indian people through the social media and then let me run away. Okay. So in the second stage, someone tries to misuse it. Okay. okay. As long as you use a fintech innovation, it's all right. Because that is good. That is something good. That actually increases productivity. That helps customers. Okay. Mm-hmm. But when the misuse happens in the second stage, immediately after that, the government has to react. So the government's reaction is the third stage. Okay. So the... So the difference between the second stage and the third stage should not be very uh, uh, large. But unfortunately, because the, in the digital economy, a lot of action is happening cross-border. Uh, the, uh, the action that happens, uh, you know, bringing about a regulation between stage two and stage three has become pretty di- uh, difficult. Mm. Uh, it has become very, very challenging and many countries have to come together to do it. Okay, so the, the, that is a major challenge we uh, the, that 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 you know that government saw in the case of fintech. So that is part one of the story. Okay, uh, in fact, in fact, I, I can give an example of what is happening in the digital economy per se. Sure. So when the new digital economy came, uh, I mean, this is something on which I am working uh, presently. I mean, I'm part of the Indian team uh, which is working on this. Uh, so what happened is when the digital economy came. Uh, businesses realize that they can sell in the market without without having a physical presence in the market. So a lot of MNCs, a lot of digital companies, they set up their server in Ireland. Uh, they had a scheme in, uh, in Ireland. There's a scheme by which what happens is if you have two companies in Ireland and one of the company is a cell company, uh, that cell company, even if it is registered in Ireland, it is a non-resident for tax purposes in Ireland. Okay. So technically, what you can do is you can keep a double, uh, you can have a double Irish companies, or you, you can have a double Irish structure in which there'll be one operating company, which will be holding the server, which will be holding the server and uh, website and IP, whatever. Mm-hmm. Okay. And there'll be a holding company in, uh, in Ireland, which will be registered in Ireland, but whose control and management is in Bermuda. Oh, okay. okay. So mm-hmm. that holding company is, an, is not taxable anywhere in the world. Because Bermuda does not have a tax system and it is not taxable in Ireland also. Got okay. Mm-hmm. So, so that kind of structure came and, 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 and governments around the world realized, look what is happening. In the digital economy, these companies are going to, let's say, a customer in India online. They are asking the customer in India, you please purchase uh, advertisement space on my website. Correct. You please purchase uh, this video from, my, uh, from me. Okay. And customers in India are making the payment. It is, it is a revenue which is going to you from India. It is sourced from India. But the government of India is unable to tax you because you do not have any physical presence in India. Absolutely. Okay. Mm-hmm. So this is, the, this is an issue which plagued a lot of companies, a lot of countries, including a lot of countries in Europe, India, uh, and, and many other countries. So this issue came up, uh, first came up, let's say, in 1999 or 2000. Okay. So after 15 years, uh, about 130 companies came together under something called the inclusive framework okay inclusive framework of oecd and they they started deliberating over it 
in 2015 they came out with a report called beps action 1 report uh, on on uh, tax challenges of digitalization and in that report they basically said we are helpless we have no solution for this problem we we actually have no solution because the digital economy it works in a very different way and they also said that we are we are panicking because the entire economy is getting digitalized earlier they were only some digital companies which were doing this which were uh, you know eroding the tax base in uh, countries in which they were, they were operating but now everyone is basing uh, 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 the entire economy is getting digitalized hmm. and many of the normal companies mining companies transportation companies they are having headquarters in ireland they are shifting their headquarters to ireland so it became a matter of you know uh, uh, i mean uh, all the countries started panicking about it and after that what happened is some countries uh, even even brought about some very uh, you know uh, uh, some countries brought uh, introduced some uh, 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 you know interim taxes in india we uh, we introduced equalization levy uh, in france they introduced digital service tax okay mm-hmm. so these were these were indirect taxes introduced to counter a direct tax issue mm. okay and they actually and this kind of taxes are not good because they actually uh, 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 hamper the they actually hamper the free flow of data free flow of digital uh, uh, trade across across borders it is not good for the economy per se finally what happened is in 2019 uh, in 2020 all these 130 countries again came together and they started negotiating about a new taxation rule okay new tax rule so the last international tax rules which are brought in uh, uh, which are effective now they were introduced in 1920s by the league of nation uh, mm-hmm. four economists in the league of nation sat together and 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 came out with some rules in 2021 130 countries together are, break, are breaking their head over how to how to remove uh, how to uh, you know uh, change those rules okay uh, and and probably from 2023 those rules will be uh, those rules will be implemented all over the world uh, they are called the digital tax or i mean they give very funny names digital tax uh, unified approach uh, something like that but you think about it some issue that crept up in 1999 finally that is a solution to that issue is coming in 2024 okay wow. so it is coming after 25 years now 25 years is too long a time in the digital uh, in today's world now what is happening is there's a lot of chatter around dao uh, distributed autonomous uh, uh, organizations right mm. so there's a lot of chatter that their digital economy will be taken over by web 3.0 yes. and and the regulatory bodies are still not ready for that okay <laughs> uh, it will be actually it will be it will actually be a tragedy if we implement this digital tax in 2025 25, and in 2026 we realize that the digital economy has been outdated now a new innovation has come wow okay so so what is happening is uh, the regulatory cycle is getting ruptured why it is getting ruptured because governments cannot work as fast as innovators can work wow i mean okay and, and and yes mm-hmm. please please ask us no no please go ahead please go ahead. Uh, no no that's the challenge that every country is facing i don't know how they are going to uh, how they are going to survive this in the future or how they are going to cope with this in the future probably they can make Probably, probably the only solution I see is strong international organizations, strong global organizations which can make rules. Okay, so but for that to happen, national con- nations have to give up their sovereignty. Uh, uh, every time, every time countries collaborate to make international tax rules, all the countries are—I mean, each country is giving up some part of its sovereignty. Okay, uh, similarly, similarly, every time countries collaborate to make a new uh, regulation for, let's say, cryptocurrency. then each country is giving up its sovereignty to some extent on on making monetary policies on 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 printing its own notes mm. okay so these are, these are issues which are going to, which governments are going to grapple grapple uh, you know uh, grapple with uh, in, in in times to come uh, these are serious issues uh, for which uh, for which no clear answer is there uh, so this was part a to to the uh, reply that i mean this is part a reply to what uh, what uh, you had asked mm. <laughs> I mean, it's very interesting and such a complex issue. I mean, the way you explained, I mean, I can imagine it's because the innovation is changing so fast, right? And 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 from regulatory perspective, it becomes so difficult. 
at the end of the day i think i was reading we have all become part of a global village <laughs> it's a global village <laughs> everything is connected and there was a joke which said mark zuckerberg is the president of it so <laughs> so <laughs> joke jokes aside but um, i mean that's very interesting and absolutely i mean it's it's a difficult job you have on your hands to um, uh, how to solve such such issues <laughs> uh yes is at the same time it is interesting it is challenging i uh, even though i am not part of the startup uh, startup ecosystem i work very closely with startups i work very closely with uh, you know tech companies and uh, i get a lot of exposure to this uh, new field to this revolution that is happening the industrial revolution 4.0 uh, i i get a lot of uh, uh, exposure to this mm-hmm. uh, i mean uh, uh, that is that is a plus side of it and also asis if i can uh, if i can just ask you one thought ex- i mean if you can make an um, uh, if you can propose a thought experiment here okay mm-hmm. i will ask you one one very simple question you tell me uh, what what is the solution to that sure now there are cyber laws which say that okay if you if you if you commit hack if you if you commit a hacking in india uh, then you are you are you are punishable by law okay mm. uh, you will be punishable by law if you if you if you commit some kind of a hacking in india Hmm. and if there is a hacking india on the on the state of india if there is a hacking attack on the state of india it is as good as an act of aggression by a foreign country hmm. okay so now let's take a let's take a country x okay, okay. the country x is a is an autocratic autocratic country uh, and or, 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 or it's a you know it's, it's it's a garrison state so to say in this country x there are lot of hackers who are who are working independently maybe they are funded by the government of that country but they are working independently now mm. they hack into you hack into my account okay who do i complain to i will complain i will file a, i i i'll file a complaint with the indian law, law authorities okay mm. now who the who do they reach out to how do they bring those people to justice number one number two now if those set of hackers they make a concerted attack hacking attack on the state of india Uh, the way the way in 2009 uh, russia attacked uh, ukraine uh, was it 2009 no uh, that is 2013 or 14 russia made a cyber attack on ukraine and and people the entire uh, uh, it was in 2016 i think in 2014 they annexed crimea uh, in 2016 they made this attack okay, there was a cyber attack on on ukraine and it completely paralyzed the state of ukraine okay uh, but but then when ukraine uh, conducted an investigation they found that these are independent hackers from the state of russia who are doing it it is not the state of russia so if country x uh, 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 makes this kind of a uh, cyber attack on india can, can india say that it's an act of aggression by country x and can india uh, drag country x to security council uh, for an intermediation Uh, I mean, these are questions for which we have no right answers. Even though uh, mm-hmm. cyber hat- attacks are being hap- are happening very frequently nowadays, mm-hmm. in the last ten years they have been happening very very frequently, uh, and, and and many countries are paralyzed by by paralyzed by this kind of cyber attacks. Absolutely. I mean, when someone thinks about it, I mean, as you said, right? I mean, who do you at the end of the day <laughs> uh, pinpoint fingers at at the state or the independent or as they claim they are the independent. hackers part of the you know uh, from that particular state it's very difficult to uh, 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 sort of do a closure or bring justice to in this sort of scenario basically uh, so, so how 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 does typically someone is dealing or states around the world or governments around the world how do they deal with these sort of scenarios and as you said ha- uh, cyber hacks and i mean they are on uh, de- definitely on a rise Uh, Asia's countries are learning, uh, learning the hard way. Uh, that that the, 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 the cyber hacks are on the rise. Cyber security is important. They are they investing a lot of money into cyber security. Uh, so defense is the best offense. That is what countries have realized. Uh, and 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 also they, they keep pressurizing the other state uh, to to bring some action against those hackers. But then what happens is, uh, let's say country X, uh, the hackers of country X, they take a visa and go to country Y. Okay, let's say let's say hackers of country X take a visa and go to Singapore. Okay, mm-hmm. uh, and 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 then uh, they 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 start operating from Singapore and they 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 commit this act in Singapore. Mm-hmm. Okay, and then again they go back to China. Sorry, country X. Uh, mm-hmm. Let's not take any names. Let, mm-hmm. Then again they go back to country X. 
so country x can say that okay this kind of criminal activity has not happened in my state it has not happened in my soil okay <laughs> and if you go to singapore singapore will be over, uh, lost for words i mean singapore will say what can i do i mean uh, we are an island uh, state uh, i mean we, we are a city state and uh, we, we welcome everyone with open arms if someone comes to our country and does something we will punish them but till the time they are in our state okay if they have left singapore and uh, they are not citizens of singapore what can we do <laughs> so 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 i mean a lot of these kind of issues keep coming up okay so the best offense i mean defense is the best offense you have to invest heavily in cyber security My anyways God. that is a different uh, different topic altogether <laughs> no no i mean it's 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 you know it's just like there's a pearl bin by hand which just sort of uh, li- you know uh, lighted up <laughs> it's just amazing how uh, things are happening i mean i have so much to learn from you <laughs> i am realizing even i am though in tech <laughs> i am very far very behind in terms of what's happening <laughs> that's that's absolutely fascinating and i mean it's it's it's, it's hmm. yes please asis did you asis Asis, have you have you realized that a lot of innovation that is happening in tech, uh, a lot of innovations that are happening in tech are actually very easy innovations, which are uh, which help which help uh, users uh, circumvent the regulatory laws. Uh, if you innovate, I mean, since you are in tech, you can <laughs> you can tell this better. Uh, it is very easy to I mean, it is very easy to bring users on board. Okay, if you are c- coming up with a solution to circumvent the law. to circumvent regu- regulations i think cryptocurrency also came because of that reason mm. what does crypt- cryptocurrency do cryptocurrency basically removes the uh, uh, re- removes the dual uh, uh, you know uh, conflict in gold okay mm. there is a there is a dual conflict there is a there is a dichotomous conflict in gold mm-hmm. okay uh, that conflict in gold is that let's say i am a taxi vendor okay uh, what i will do is that i want to store some uh, ill gotten wealth in gold if i take that gold and and uh, and i want an ownership over the gold i'll go to a bank and tell the bank look i have 5 kg of gold you please give me a certificate that this 5 kg of gold belongs to me so my ownership is clear but the banks get to know about it banks will tell the tax department and then right. the tax department will come after me okay Absolutely. so i have clear ownership but i have no privacy hmm. okay so what i do is i will take the gold i will go to my backyard i'll dig up a hole and i'll put the gold in that hole Okay, mm. to keep it safe. Mm. So in this case, I have privacy, but I have no ownership. Mm. Tomorrow, what will happen is some uh, some some guy will come. He will dig up the gold from my backyard and take it away. I cannot lodge a complaint with the police mm. because he is saying that he has got it from the ground. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So my privacy. Uh, if I want a pri- one privacy, I cannot have ownership. If I want ownership, I cannot have privacy. Mm. Okay. so that is a that is a that is a major constraint that we see in tax law uh, in, uh, in in tax evasion i mean uh, poor tax evaders face this kind of a major constraint sometimes they use benami uh, sometimes they use name lenders uh, to mm. own property okay but but that is also not a very uh, you know not a very efficient way of uh, uh, you know uh, 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 of of owning gold uh, okay so now what does cryptocurrency do what does bitcoin do for the cryptocurrency they they are doing a lot of other lot of things Uh, what does bitcoin do it solves a very simple problem it it this this uh, this duality of privacy and ownership it is being resolved by cryptocurrency in cryptocurrency your privacy is maintained at the same time if you have your uh, have your public key if, if, if your keys are with you then your ownership is also maintained right you are owner of your cryptocurrency okay at the same time you have your privacy it is such a such a beautiful solution to the problem <laughs> okay and, and the way you explain i mean in terms of people who are trying to evade i mean this is a golden thing for them i mean god only knows what they can do with it <laughs> they are, they are doing with it i'll, I'll tell you i mean uh, uh, money laundering is rampant okay money laundering using cryptocurrency is rampant on today's date okay cryptocurrency solves a lot of other problems okay Uh, but but money laundering is rampant. I mean, the Silk Road story everyone knows uh, why, uh, how the Silk Road came up and and how uh, how Silk Road was possible only because because of Bitcoin. Had there been no Bitcoin, then Silk Road would not have been possible. Hmm. Okay, because because if you are trading in in uh, uh, let's say I am trading in uh, some cocaine. Okay, 
I have to make the payment, right? I have to okay. make the payment to an escrow account and then uh, and then someone will make the delivery. So if I'm making a payment to an escrow account, there's a there's a financial footprint. There's a money trail. Hmm. So okay, so that's the reason why uh, uh, Silk Road was not viable. Silk Road became viable only after Bitcoin came into the uh, uh, picture. Hmm. Okay, so. Yeah, yeah. So, so, but, but that, uh, that is not the only, so, uh, that is not the only solution that Bitcoin provides. It provides a lot of solution for money laundering purposes, for for doing hawala uh, operations, and that's the reason why uh, uh, you know law enforcement agencies all over the world are cagey about it. So, is it happening? Uh, like uh, exploitation of cryptocurrency, Bitcoin. Uh, do you get to hear in Indian context or in international context people are misusing? Uh, I hear a lot of chatter. I don't know how much of that is true. Uh, I'll, I'll share an anecdote with you. Uh, I mean, in, in tax department, uh, all kinds of people come uh, and, and they give all kinds of anecdotes. They give this all kinds of anecdotes. Mm. So there was one. This uh, there was this group. Uh, uh, this HNI, uh, mm. this, the, this this group of HNIs who wanted uh, uh, who 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 wanted to keep their money safe from all kinds of regulations. Okay. Okay. So what happened in their case is uh, the government of India got to know that they have some money in a bank account. This this HNI had, uh, and his family had had some money in a bank account outside India, and they started some proceeding. So they learned from this kind of an activity. Then they learned that banks are not reliable because banks are uh, because nowadays uh, banks are heavily heavily regulated. They have any anti money laundering rules, and they also give a report to the country. And the countries are sharing that report with India under the under a framework called the Exchange of Information Framework (EOI). Correct. Okay. In India, we call it the FT and I mean, we, we call it the same thing: uh, Exchange of Information on Request uh, (EOIR) and Automatic Exchange of Information. Because of which, Indian citizens or Indian residents owning bank account in any other country, that data is coming to us. Now, if some country is not giving that data, let's say uh, Dubai, for example, uh, is is not very cooperative. If some country is not very cooperative, then all the other countries they do a peer review of that country, okay, and they impose some kind of a cost on that country. They they, they try to blacklist that country or greylist that country, and they impose some kind of a cost on that country. Mm-hmm. So because of this, many countries, most countries are now coming on board slowly, okay. So now this HNI realized that if I keep my money in a bank account, even if it is in the, uh, even if it is in Bermuda today. Bermuda is not uh, uh, is not cooperating with other countries today, but it's possible that after four years they will co- cooperate. Mm-hmm. Whenever they cooperate, at that time, if I even if I withdraw my money, the the, the record will be there in the, in the bank account. Okay, right. so that 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 actually creates a lot of problem for me. Okay, so so what the HNI did is uh, for the for the uh, I mean for the for the new money that he was generating he was generating what he did is. He invested those money in a cryptocurrency somewhere in Switzerland. Okay, he invested heavily in two or three cryptocurrencies. Okay, mm. thinking that now my money is safe from the government. Mm. Okay, unfortunately, he did not. He, uh, he was not. Uh, he was not. Uh, uh, he was not tech educated. Okay, so he did not know the difference between Bitcoin, Ethereum, and any other cryptocurrency. <laughs> the cryptocurrency that he invested in was a uh, was a, was a was a startup without any backing. Okay, and and, and it is uh, not a very recognizable cryptocurrency. So he invested in the cryptocurrency. Later, the cryptocurrency went bust, and the and the promoters of the cryptocurrency they they went absconding. Okay, <laughs> so after that, he realized that this was a Ponzi scheme. Oh my God, it's like a Doge coin or some other random coin. Doge <laughs> uh, coin is still you know uh, it's a Back fair by... trade is happening. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Elon Musk is supporting it, so till the time he supports, yeah. <laughs> that's amazing. But but <laughs> yeah, but yes, the, but the cryptocurrency that that this HNI was sold, that mm. cryptocurrency was actually not a cryptocurrency. Okay, that, that was being managed by the promoters. The promoters were basically doing some mis-selling by selling the cryptocurrency. They were promising a very high returns, so they took the money and then they vanished. I mean, this is the anecdote that I heard. I don't know if it's true or not. Mm-hmm. <laughs> absolutely absolutely i mean i mean uh, just mind blown <laughs> uh, and uh, there are I, I can just keep going on and on but looking at time i've taken so much of your time <laughs> maybe we'll do another one sometime uh, yeah. with all these stories but i think really enjoyed uh, listening to you 
to wrap it up you know uh, samarak if i can ask you you know uh, in terms of what are the two things in context of let's say uh which you are excited about in the coming future and what are the two things uh, which are of your concern from maybe regulatory perspective or the other aspect i mean uh, in terms of uh, the near future what are the two things which are more excited and two things uh, which you feel you know that needs to be amended corrected or that's it's not going on the right track something of those sorts uh, two things which i'm excited about i, I would say uh, a substitute for twitter which is decentralized May, that is one one thing that i'm excited about mm-hmm. because uh, uh these kind of platforms uh they are uh, i mean platforms like twitter are actually political platforms okay uh, mm-hmm. they have become political platforms and they have they have managed to you know change governments in the in, uh, during the during the arab spring they managed to change governments in the middle east mm-hmm. they are that powerful ideas okay mm-hmm. but those ideas not be uh, suppressed but because twitter is centrally managed it is very easy to bully those guys mm-hmm. okay uh, this kind of ideas which give expression to political thought or which 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 give expression to people which connect people politically uh, to which mobilize people politically this not be suppressed that is not good for uh, democracy mm-hmm. but when you are centrally managed it is very easy for uh, it, it is very easy to, uh, to 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 bully you okay so i'm mm-hmm. looking for a substitute for twitter which will be a dao because dao is not going to come in in every sphere because dao is going to be pretty costly okay there there will be some cost in the there will be a lot of transaction cost in dao so i am looking for a substitute of twitter in dao which will be completely decentralized there is no central authority so you cannot bully anyone a decentralized system to you know politically connect people and to uh, you know, a decentralized system which people can use to mobilize uh, 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 politically and to meet politically and exchange ideas mm-hmm. uh the, the that that is one uh, second second thing i'm excited about is uh in cryptocurrencies um uh, this people look at it in black and white uh, people look at it in ex- in 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 extremes some people believe that uh, cryptocurrencies are complete fraud some people believe that it is uh, they are the future hmm. uh, my, i believe that some of the cryptocurrencies like bitcoin ethereum they are very valuable and they are going to become the next gold standard hmm Uh, while there are many cryptocurrencies which are uh, which are which are uh, which are going to go bust very soon so i am excited to see bitcoin uh, be- become the next gold standard and 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 it's, po- it's very possible that bitcoin will become the gold standard but for that probably the dollar has to be default something has to happen to the dollar for <laughs> for for this to ha- for for bitcoin to become the gold standard so so i'm excited about it These are do you think I'm excited about? Do you uh, do you uh, have you invested any uh, any time uh, in Bitcoin? Uh, no, no, no. I'm I'm a government servant. You see, uh, uh, my financial transactions I have to uh, have to be uh, in sync with the with the with the uh, code of uh, you know civil service code. Mm-hmm. And even today, uh, investing in Bitcoin is being seen is being seen as a uh, you know as a speculation. So okay. till the time it is seen as a speculation, technically I cannot uh, invest in that. Uh, I cannot engage in speculative activity, being in mm-hmm. uh, common service. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> And what are the two things which uh, uh, are concerning, which you see are concerning trends? Uh, concerning trends. Uh, one is about uh, self-regulation because governments are unable to regulate mega MNCs. so these mncs are saying that uh, one 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 way we can uh, handle this issue of regulation is by self regulating ourselves okay so the disadvantage of self regulation is that you can uh, you can do some self regulation but your managers uh, you are passing on the uh, discussion to your managers so if the ma- if your managers have some bias if they have some political bias uh, let's say so that will that will be evident in the censorship that you are doing if you are censoring uh, uh if you are censoring some content or some post by some user uh, uh if you have your bias then you may be more uh, inclined to censor some kind of political thought rather than others uh, mm-hmm. that is that is one matter of concern that i uh, think is happening second is uh, second is on the prospects of money laundering using, using cryptocurrencies mm. so uh, because they are not regulated uh, and and they are completely uh, they they can operate cross border 
they can operate from uh, say mauritius or hong kong and they can through social media they can approach customers in india gullible customers in india and they can missell uh, uh, you know new cryptocurrencies to the gullible customers and uh, then they can take the money and uh, uh, go uh, you know vanish in thin air Hmm. and that's a that is a real possibility uh, in fact there are some cryptocurrencies which are there, there are some uh, you know fraudsters which are, which have actually done this so in the tech era this is a major matter of concern for me wow wonderful uh, uh, samarak thank you so much for enlightening us with your immense knowledge i mean it it was such a treat to talk to you and understand all these different dynamics as they are you know you gave us a front row seat what is happening globally uh, and it's it's very interesting at the same time you know how things will shape up uh, it, it it was an absolute pleasure to talk to you same here same here as 